Welcome to Table Radio Season 2. Today's sermon, preached by Andy Withrow, is from Sunday, August 29th, Part 2 of our series on Jesus and Mission. Enjoy! We're in the third part of a four-part mini-series on being on mission with Jesus. And we're in the same part of the Bible, the last chapter of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, in the very last paragraph of his whole story, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted or hesitated. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Really, all authority in heaven and on earth, ruling power, Jesus in charge. According to Matthew 28, Jesus has had authority on earth for almost 2,000 years. Is there something wrong with this picture? When we look around at the world today, do we see something different than we might expect to see if Jesus was really in charge of everything? It seems that way, doesn't it? I mean, just thinking about the headlines in the last few months, residential schools, what's happening in Afghanistan right now, just headline after headline of tragedy, of corruption, of evil. If Jesus were truly in charge, wouldn't we expect things to be different? Imagine if Shaw Cable bought the deed to Church of Our Lord. Let's say they owned this building, new ownership, and I came in the next day and Pastor Rob from Church of Our Lord said, Andy, we sold the building to Shaw. Oh boy, I would start saying, wow, okay, where are we going to meet now for our table gatherings? Where are we going to move our offices to? But instead of getting kicked out, Shaw moves in slowly and they allow us to keep meeting here for the time being. And they took over some offices, they remodeled some things, they had you know, some of their business operations going on, it's their building. But five years later, let's say, we're still working here as the Table Church, and we still meet here. Now after five years, it still looked like a church. This church still meets here. Now that would be odd. Not a good business model. People would be confused. Did Shaw really buy that church building? I thought they did. It doesn't look like they did. It doesn't look like they really own it. It doesn't look like Jesus has all authority on earth. Right? Why is that? Why would that be? Let's think about it. What reasons could there possibly be to account for this apparent discrepancy? Is it possible that Jesus is just really patient and slow? Makes sense, maybe. We read the Bible, patience is a key characteristic of God's nature. It would make sense that Jesus is patient in his ruling authority. 
But by itself, it's pretty unsatisfying, right? Patient to what end? Why so slow? If this is part of the answer, then it needs something else to go with it. Another alternative, maybe Jesus doesn't really care that much. But that seems less likely, right? It doesn't fit with the Jesus that we see and read about in the Gospels. Touching the untouchable, loving the unloved, getting angry at injustice, having compassion for the hungry and the hurting. It doesn't make sense. It can't be that Jesus doesn't care. He obviously cares. He obviously wants to do something about pain and suffering, injustice and brokenness in the world. So, maybe Jesus doesn't really have authority. This one seems a lot more plausible to us, I think. It's a nice idea. It's a nice story. Wouldn't it be great if it were true? But in the end, it was just a story. Maybe Jesus was a really good teacher who didn't really come back from death and say all this stuff at the end of Matthew's gospel. Someone else maybe wrote that in order to prop up the church's authority later. This is probably one of, if not the most popular take on all of this. Jesus, really great guy, didn't really say all that stuff about power and authority. But the best we could do is emulate and appreciate the parts of the story that have to do with love and justice. That's the important bit. That's the core of who Jesus is. Now, the biggest problem with this view is that it's really hard to separate out of Matthew and the rest of the Gospels, for that matter, the bits about Jesus' teaching on the love of God on the one hand and his teaching on his own identity and authority on the other. Because it's not just here at the end of the story, it's there all the way throughout. And it's obvious that these aren't simply later additions to the story. Matthew, Luke, Mark, John, they all had to go in on this from their own perspective in their own storytelling. They this perspective were true, they would have to essentially make up a guy who never really existed. Now, some people do follow this line of reasoning, and they follow it to its logical conclusion, but it's pretty unsatisfying. Another possibility, Jesus is simply wrong or lying about his authority. He thought he had authority, but it turned out not to be the case. Or, He wished he had that kind of authority, and he talked like he did, but he really didn't. But as we read through the Gospels, it seems he seems to really know what he's talking about. And his words and the stories are backed up by divine deeds and actions. Authority seems to be there. So the lying or deluded Jesus, it's not very satisfying either. I think a clue to trying to to begin to understand what's really going on here lies in how Jesus understood and used his authority. And it might surprise us. Just taking a brief tour of Matthew's gospel, just looking at where this concept of authority comes up in his story, we find three key things. And the first one is that Jesus used his authority to teach about the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, we have what's known as the Sermon on the Mountain. Now, after Jesus finishes this sermon, three chapters long, people leave his teaching astonished, is the word. They can't believe it. No one talked like that in Israel. No one spoke on who God is and what his kingdom is like with that kind of authority. 
Okay, so that's interesting. Probably not the first thing most of us associate with someone having authority, but it does make sense. People can speak with authority on issues, and we often recognize that to be the case when it happens. Like, oh, yeah, they really knew what they were talking about. They, they spoke with authority. Jesus sounded like he really knew and understood what he was talking about on the biggest topics of what it meant to be human, of what God cares about, and how God was going to work in the world. That's the first one. Jesus uses his authority to teach about the kingdom of God. Number two, Jesus used his authority to release people from spiritual, mental, and physical oppression. He restores broken people from a holistic point of view. Matthew 10 outlines Jesus' authority to do this, and he gives this same authority to his apprentices, to his disciples. Now, I think this begins to get into a counterintuitive use of the idea of authority for many of us, because for many of us, authority can be quickly associated with putting people into bondage, handcuffs, prison, time out, if you're in my family. But Jesus uses his authority to get people out of bondage. It's reversed. It's a little upside down. Out from under oppression, whether it's spiritual, emotional, mental, or physical. So that's two. Jesus uses authority to release people from bondage, to restore broken people. Number three, Jesus uses his authority to forgive debts and heal broken bodies. This is Matthew 9. It relates this episode where Jesus first forgives, then he heals the paralytic. The story centers around the authority to do these two things, but focusing on restoring this person to God. And we start to see an overarching theme emerge in how Jesus uses his authority. It's different than what we might expect. In his teaching on the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus spends so much time talking about right relationships with self, with others, with God. And then he works to affect that restoration, Matthew 9 and Matthew 10. Jesus uses authority to restore people. I think this is the opposite of what many of us associate authority with. Or at least when we hear this word, these words in Matthew 28, all authority, I'm in charge. Again, we often think of the authorities putting people in prison. Think of authority to exact fees to penalize, to enforce behavior, this top-down authority, the kind of authority that changes the sign on the building when they purchase it, that forces old employees and that old company out and brings in the new. Everyone wears the same uniform, the company logo on it. Rules and policies are in place and enforced with consequences. A lot of the authority that we're used to in the workplace or in other places. And here's the good news for us. Jesus uses his authority to restore people to God and to one another. That's what his authority is about. It's an upside-down kind of authority or an inside-out kind of authority. God does not simply want conformity to good rules. He wants community with goodwill. Jesus wants to build community based on love and trust. That's the mission. And because he's not just strong and loving, but also wise, Jesus knows you don't get a loving and trusting community of people with rules. 
however well enforced. You get it by making the first move in love with open hands that leaves you vulnerable to being rejected. This is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ to us, who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, the cost of this upside-down, inside-out kind of authority is that people are free to reject it. They're free to reject it, to reject that kind of kingdom, that kind of trust and love and community. And that is what precisely Jesus is after. People being free to love God and to love one another. Jesus has authority to create this kind of community. Jesus has authority to restore us to ourselves, to one another, and to God. He has the power to create that in us, in each one of us, individually and collectively. And he also has the love and the kindness to act on it. And as we mentioned earlier, the patience to wait for it to work itself out. And here in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28, he invites us into it. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me to restore people's bodies, minds, and spirits, to restore them to God and to one another. Therefore, in light of that authority, as you are going about your life, I want you to make disciples of me who can do the same things that I taught you about, who have the same ministry of restoration of people and of proclamation of what God's kingdom looks like, how good it can be. Baptize them, which is to say, invite them into this ultimate allegiance recognizing this upside-down authority of Jesus that transforms the whole world, one disciple at a time from the inside out. And teach them everything I've commanded you, everything I taught you, both with my words and with my actions. I taught you how to do this work of restoration. Now you can do it and teach each other how. And not on your own, because I am with you all the days until it is accomplished. So this is how we can respond to such good news, to the way that Jesus uses authority in a way that's unexpected. We can be baptized into him, or we can recall and renew our own baptism, our own allegiance, our own saying, yes, Lord, I'm in. I want your authority over me that works in that inside-out way. I want to participate in that kind of restoration, in that kind of life together, in that kind of loving and trusting community. Yes, Lord, I recommit to learning more deeply what you said and did. And I commit to receiving your restoring work in my own life and encouraging others in this same work as well. Yes, Lord, thank you that all authority in heaven and on earth has indeed been given to you. And God, we do thank you for this gift, for this inside-out, upside-down kind of authority that is going after our hearts, not just our behavior, not just our conformity, but our hearts in love and in trust 
Would you make us that kind of community, Lord, that submits to that kind of good authority for the restoration of ourselves and one another, to be whole, to be a blessing. Pray this in Jesus' name. for listening to Table Radio, an extension of the life of the Table Church, a community in Victoria, BC. Our mission together is to love God, love each other, and to love and bless our neighbors so that we may see Christ revealed in common life. Music for this episode provided by the Preparation EP, written and arranged by Coco Relieve, and can be found at thetablechurch.bandcamp.com. To learn more about our community, please go to tablechurch.com. That's why we praise you. You got.